Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is a fun one. We're calling it Being Neil's Mom, From Mommy and Me to Yale. It's one mom's story of raising her son from babyhood to college. So here I am at the square table with Sandy, former Family Time student and teacher, and her son Neil, who just turned 20. I hope one day Sandy will share with the world all of the stories, games, conversations, and video that she has talking to Neil, explaining the world to Neil, celebrating questions and problem solving so that Neil could grow with curiosity and wonder. Sandy, who has no shortage of energy, had a mission to be Neil's personal coach, guide, and teacher. Like every parent, she also had to learn who Neil was and who he wanted to be and help Neil find his own voice and path in the world. There's no one way to be a parent, but I think hearing Neil and Sandy's story helps other families make those very personal choices to live each day with enthusiasm and live fearlessly. Welcome, Sandy and Neil. Thank Neil, you. Thank you for having us on. Thank you. I can't believe you're here. I want you to get us started, Neil, because you've been encouraging your mom to tell this story. How would you describe your mom and her parenting? <laughs> I, I think the first thing you have to know in order to understand my, my mom's approach to parenting is that she is she was one of those moms who always wanted to have a kid for as long as she could remember. And she tried and tried and tried and did umpteen rounds of in vitro and everything else. And finally, at age 39, she got to have me, which means she had practiced and prepped and done all of the preparation umpteen times over. And she was, this is what she wanted more than anything, anything else in the world. That's true. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's it's. I was, in a lot of the ways, her last chance kid, and she made sure that everything that she did counted. And then she never had any regrets or wanted, like, what if I stayed up an extra hour playing with him? Or what if I, I you know, ran around on the carpet and yeah, had sore feet? Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, to play with him more. That She always did that extra she thing. She wasn't going to miss a thing. And she was going to give you these experiences. Um, I mean, the only way I could describe it was joy and wonder. <laughs> was there, did you feel like that was a lot of attention and energy directed at you? Or was it just fun? <laughs> well, I'm an, I'm an only child. And so your, your listeners, I guess, should know that because that's a different kind of parenting setup. And um, I, of course, do not remember everything she did, especially before like the age of four. But 
I always remember whether like in in school whenever like there was something that needed like parental involvement whether it was just like getting a little form signed or working with your family to make like a like a family tree or some other kind of project I knew that it was never going to be like a hassle for me to get that going it was my mother would always be chomping at the bit for waiting to help and waiting to be more involved so you had a partner. Yes. Okay. I love it because, and, and I have to say, like, I mean, I've known these two people for 20 years, and Sandy is not the mom who overmanaged. Yeah. <laughs> She's also not the mom who did your projects for you. No. And I think there's a very interesting thing there because however intentionally um, she kind of predetermined what my first active rebellion would be and that was and that was kind of managing my own affairs myself and like kind of keeping my papers together and like knowing when I had to do what just so I'd like my my ooh yeah I'm a kid finally sticking it out on my own I'm a, I'm a rebel was avoiding the reminder about homework that, that monumental task yeah she 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 is a planner so yes, I am. She, okay so let me turn it to Sandy all right um, I mean you were always you always had that teacher spirit you've always had a cheerleader spirit I mean you came into this um, with a big open heart and a big plan well Welcome. having having been a teacher. And shared all of my ideas and fun with other kids. I couldn't think of any greater joy than being able to do it with my own child. And I was able to stay home for the first three and a half years, which to me were the best years of my life. It was so fun. And I, we would get up in the morning, and if he mentioned, he asked me a question about something, we'd be going for a walk, and he'd say, what plant is that? I had no idea. So off to Home Depot we'd go, and we'd look at the plants. And so I was learning along with him. It was exciting for me, too. And, you know, I thought, who gets a chance to do that? Okay, so you've, you've, there was like this, as Neil said so beautifully, I mean, this preparation before his arrival. And then here <laughs> comes this baby. You fall in love immediately. Mm -hmm. um, as we talked about last night, because we had a little bit of a reunion, poor Neil wasn't there. Or maybe luckily, yeah. poor Neil wasn't there. Because um, she also did tell me the story about your first independence. <laughs> but, but this idea that you were talking to him like he was a person. I mean, the thing that came mm -hmm. to my mind last night was last week's podcast on talking to toddlers, you were the, the master of conversation. Um, so talk to me about how you related to him as a baby first. I talked to him constantly. Well, first of all, he um, he was a crier. He was not an easy infant. What? And no, he was not. That was the only part of his life that was a little difficult. <laughs> but I found when I spoke, he stopped crying. So I never stopped talking. <laughs> and it was 2 in the morning, and we were awake, and I had him in the carrier, and he was on the kitchen counter, and I'm making a cup of coffee for myself. And I'm like, Neil, did I ever tell you what happened to me when I was in high school? <laughs> and my husband walks down and he said, well, Neil, that's story number 324, and there will be many more you'll hear in the future. <laughs> and we just, I talked to him constantly. When we would go for a walk in the neighborhood, I'd be talking to my infant in, the, in his uh, stroller, and people would say, are you talking to me? And I'm like, no, I'm talking to my baby. And they looked at me like I was crazy. But I talked to him about anything. I just spoke. Okay. 
just for those new parents out there that are trying to figure out um, who that little person is in those little bodies. You knew he was a person. You taught, you, you re- approached him with respect, with honor, long before Magda Gerber was even out there to say, <laughs> approach each child mm-hmm. with respect. Don't pick them up randomly mm-hmm. like they're an object. Um, talk to me about how you saw, what you saw in him as, as the person that, you, that he was going to be in that little tiny boy. You know, it's funny because you, um, you know who you are. And sometimes you project that on others, and that's not always a fair thing to do. Um, I'm a visual learner. I quickly learned Neil is an auditory learner. And I can remember being in the car with him doing spelling words, and he'd, I'd give him the word. He said, just tell me how to spell it, Mom. I'm going to look at the word. He said, I don't need to look at the word. Just tell me how to spell it. And there were so many instances like that. So he was an auditory learner. So I had, I had to see it. He had to hear it. So I had to adjust my method of teaching to accommodate that. Okay, now I got another question. Uh, so, because, so what happens is, <clears throat> I mean, you, you're exponentially ahead of the game because when you came into parenting at 39, you did know who you were. And there was no <laughs> blinking over that. You weren't going to be somebody else's mother, you, you, somebody else's kind of mother. You were going to be your mother. But you are also a multitasking, organizing phenomena. How did you find the awareness to hear what he was saying to you even before he had the words to say it? Because you were paying attention and, and revising and editing your style to match him. Yeah, I could tell. Like, he didn't like change, and I thrived on change. And that was tough for me, too, because I had to adjust to, you know, I wanted to take him to a million places, and sometimes he just wanted to stay home. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I had to get him excited about things, you know. Um, if uh, we would read about something first and before we went to it to get him ready for it. And, you know, and to ease him into new situations. Um, One of the characteristics that he did have of mine, which almost more than me was, I'm very organized. He was too. Uh, we, I had brought out all my beads. I used to sew, and I had lots of beads, and I had them all in floss boxes, organized by color. That but made I had, her very happy. I'm yes, sure. but I had one section that had uh, gold and silver and black and white because I didn't use those much, and they were mixed together. And I brought all this, all these art supplies down. We were going to make a project, and um, so I put everything out on the table. And he said, "Well," and he was two. And he said, well, before before we start, I need to organize this. This is a mess. These colors are all together. I'm like, oh, my God, he's me. <laughs> so, you know, I learned things that were alike me and were not like me. And you made the space for that. Right. And, you know, those things you don't like, the beach. I hate the beach. Hate it. I hate the sand. I hate everything about the beach. I burn. There's nothing I like about it. But I did not want to project that on my child. So every spring break, I'd say, it's time to go to the beach. And my girlfriends and I would go, and they would just, unbelievable how I could lie. Oh, put your toes in the sand. Doesn't that feel good? Because you had a greater mission. Yeah. (laughs) And so... Come to Faneuil said, clean my feet. 
feet. I don't like the sand and the water on my feet. Clean my feet. And I thought, oh. And every year we did the same thing. And we went because I wanted him not to be me, not to be this person. So when he was six, it was spring break. And I'm like, good morning. It's time to go to the beach. He said, mom, do we have to go to the beach? I hate the beach. And I said, Neil, no. Now that you've come to that decision, I have to tell you, I hate the beach, too. <laughs> we don't have to go anymore. <laughs> hey, Neil, your mom is the master storyteller, and she yes. does remember every story. How do you remember this negotiating between her big personality <laughs> and your own big personality um, and finding it? I'm trying to think of, of an example that works particularly well there. I... Uh, I don't know. I, 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 you're right. I didn't always like change, and I wasn't always the first person to jump in and do something. I think I don't remember how much of this is my like genuine memory or what my mother supplemented with a story. But I think we were somewhere, and there was like a ball pit, and I was, I was. Okay, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, this is right. I, I was, I was scared to go in. I didn't really understand what a ball pit was and why it was enjoyable. And I think my mother now, who now has like fibromyalgia and three bad feet and all all these things that would, you know, you wouldn't want to do this kind of thing. She just jumped in the ball pit and said, Neil, it's it's fine. Come in. But, you know, of course, a more enthusiastic and high-pitched voice. And no, so, I didn't do it once. I did it multiple times. Okay, there we go. No doubt. All right. Because I do think this is why I love this podcast topic. We didn't. We were out to dinner last night, and we had this brilliant idea. You know, <laughs> let's do this, and and it isn't about how to get your child to Yale or how to create the perfect human being. This is about a parent being exactly who they are and helping a child grow to their fullest self. What I love about that is though. So did you did you feel like you could just watch your crazy mom? And, and it made it safe um, that there was this collaboration of who, and how did you discover <laughs> that voice that said, mom, this is what I like and I don't like, because I know that voice was there as, a, as an infant or toddler, though we only remember the expression of it after four and six, but go ahead. So, so what, what, can you remember the emotions of who am I in this experience? I uh, I think I think the story that that best helps tell this is that whenever I wanted to like either change activities or no longer sign up for something that you did every year, I would never like I would originally try to say, oh mom, I don't want to do soccer this year because I don't like soccer, and just like kind of one of those like you know excuses that like a kid like a kid will make up and not really think it through, um, and then my mom would be like, nope, you signed up for this, you made a commitment, you got to keep doing it. And but then I like I remembered I came to learn that quitting in the middle of a season. Yeah, and then if if I actually came up with a legitimate reason, no, mom, I don't want to do soccer the next coming year because I want to spend more time on baseball or I want to like use that time doing something else that like is a Was genuine, more persuasive. Yeah, <laughs> other other than just kind of being someone who wanted to quit something and then that like really relating it to who you are and like 
wanting to quit something as an act of like furthering your path to self-discovery as opposed to wanting to quit something as an act of wanting to have an afternoon free. Um, so the you former was learned usually, that your mother would respect and honor a certain voice in you? I think so, yeah. It, and you had to work hard mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, it would, I, knew be, I knew she would kind of dismiss it and understand that it was me kind of coming up with like a half thought out excuse versus if it was if it made sense and it was logical and it was real and I think that even down the line has helped come up helped me come up with answers to a wide variety of questions in life say what say what okay um (laughs) I quit a club at the beginning of this semester of college because the person who led it was taking up a lot of our time and it wasn't really related to anything I was going to do, but I joined it because my roommate was in it, and he wanted a buddy, which is very fine. But my roommate was also kind of one foot out the door, and I, I went up to the president of this club, and I said, thank you so much um, for everything you've done for this. I really think this is a, an organization with a wonderful mission. However, I don't have enough time in my schedule to give enough of myself to this organization that would be fair to you. Yeah. So even like the, the, the professional garnish and phrasing of that aside... If you kind of root it in a real reason other than, like, now a college kid wanting to nap for an hour on, like, Monday evenings um, instead of going to a meeting or whatever, um, it it really helps in life as well as getting things past my mother. So what I know about this dance, as I remember it before you were three and a half, (laughs) because that was when I sort of checked out of the regular, you know, the weekly picture, um, is that... It, it was this fabulous dance between this complete unconditional love. I mean, this complete, oh my gosh, he's here. Um, and one of the wrote, words I wrote was, I mean, you, you, Sandy had this belief in greatness. I mean, that she would be great, that you would be great, but not by any external standards, but by finding yourselves. And then she also had, but she at no point did she not give you the responsibility to be yourself, that she had these high expectations, that she had this, this extraordinary level of engagement that said, no, no, we don't live life lazy. We don't live life mm, just getting by. We're going to find the things either by random, by the things I start by thinking I'm supposed to do, by go to the beach, um, go to mommy and me, go to some classes, give you all these options and choices, and then we will sift through all that so that we find both ourselves. What Sandy, you're nodding. So how, I mean, there. I do believe the secret to this relationship, this parenting, and just really excitement over Neil's future is that um, is that you you went through this process of discovery together with you both played very active parts with while respecting each other. You know, I think the the angle for all for me was in my mind 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 was the, the fact that I was almost forty. I he turned he was six months old. I turned forty, and being an only child. Um, my sister only has one daughter, and she's almost 30. So he's not going to have a lot of family someday. You know, I'm not going to be around. My husband's not going to be around. He's going to be alone in this world. And, you know, part of me, that's a heavy guilt that I carried. But on the other hand, it took me so long to have him. I just had to embrace this is what it is. So having knowing that, I wanted to make sure that he was going to be 
make family and friends wherever he went, that he could be independent and rely upon himself and know that wherever he was, he could create a family. And so as much I gave to him, but I also was preparing him for that independence. So I'll ask both of you this question. Because the other thing that I was thinking about when I was preparing for today, in the, in, the, in the extra half hour this morning when we had this impulsive idea, was you had a clarity, a vision of goals, of values. And you did frame your parenting around that. Mm-hmm. Three to five of, of, I mean, that I think what you just said really describes your mission beautifully. Mm-hmm. But how, but, and, you didn't do this by anybody else's book. You no. read it all, you <laughs> researched it all. But what were the three to five values? So independence. I mean, what, what mattered to you? And Neil, what do you think mattered in terms of the values you were raised with? Um, well, being independent, um, being self-confident, and uh, having a love of learning, and... Um, and being part of a community and making a community for yourself. Yeah. Okay, so I want, what, I'm going to go on to, to the teacher hat because there's so much research now about that self-confidence, about the idea of, not, of praising effort and process over product and mm-hmm. skill and performance mm-hmm. because if we don't think our brains are always stretching, if, if, if the whole idea of mind skills, that, that brains are, are muscles, and the confidence in that social emotional piece is something that is not, you don't just plant self-esteem. Right. You know, it's like you, it's nothing I can give to somebody. It com- and I know you know that and your choices, how did you, how did you, what choices did you make to encourage self-confidence in him? Um, the parenting tips for everybody out there. Well, let's see. Um, you know, one, you, you set them up for success too. What does that mean? Um, you know, you give them a, a task that you know that they can accomplish, um, you know, and if they run into trouble, then you talk about what happened there, you know, um, uh, and you celebrate everything, whether it's going to be something that you were successful at or something that you failed, but you learned a lesson from. But you were never cliche about those things. Those went deep. Yeah. And, and so I just want to say, because, I mean, I just hope one day Sandy is out there um, as a parent coach, as a life coach, as a mentor, sharing her wisdom and, and, the, and the nuts and bolts, because watching you do this with a small child was priceless, because it wasn't just, oh, good job. Yeah. You would have <laughs> never uttered. A cliche mm-hmm. that you weren't. Comp- it, it goes to what Neil said in the very beginning. You can. It was like it was like. Oh gosh, we're going to do this together. Let's figure it out. And and I will have you tell your post office story in a minute. Okay. Okay. Uh, because <laughs> it was the how do you create a thinking, problem solving, socially, emotionally competent, capable, masterful human being. And and it's not a creation, but it's a... But it's also self-discovery. Yes. Because, for example, learning to read. Now, Neil was an auditory learner. He We read three hours a day. An hour when he woke up in the morning, 
an hour when he went down for a nap and an hour before bed. Not because I felt that that was the magic time. It was because if I stopped, he would crawl off my lap, go to his wagon, which had his books, get a book and slap it in my lap. He was not done. He was not (laughs) done. And when we never did phonics, you know, we never sat there and did all those packages and programs, nothing. We never memorized letters and the sounds that they made. We played games. And when he was in kindergarten and he was reading, he was very sad. And I'm like, what's the problem? And he said, I have a confession to make. I can't read. I've memorized everything. And I said, Neil, he said, I don't sound the books out like the other kids do. I just know what it says. And I said, hey, I don't sound out books anymore. I said, the only time I sound out a word, it's if I don't know what it is. And I try and make, but otherwise, that's what happens when you're learning to read. You're, you just know them now. And he was not convinced. So I had just bought some new books. And one of the books was Tomatoes to Ketchup. We have it on the table. We will post a picture of it. <laughs> and he had never seen the book before. I took it out of the cellophane, and I handed it to him. And I said, I want you to read this. And he read every word, including vinegar, tomatoes. There were words in there he had, you know. And the light bulb. probably a picture of a tomato to help me out. With uh, well, but that's <laughs> what reading is. And the light bulb, to see his face, he, that... He was so proud of himself, and now he believed that he was a reader. Discovery and self-awareness, because you could bring the questions. You could, you could, you're, you both were operating at this meta level that said, like, we're playing, we're having fun, we're engaging. But you also sort of knew that your mother had, had expect, not expectations, but like, you're doing it for a purpose, you know, like there was a there was a meaning behind all of this that you were pulling him into a, a awareness and understanding what values mattered, as you remember. Um, definitely the independence and um, how'd she teach it as you remember? How'd she teach it? Well, this was this was an interesting issue because I think what my mother said about my family being older and likely not going to be around for all parts of my life is absolutely true. And I think I this was maybe one of those like kids sneaking down the stairs listening to an adult conversation when he's supposed to be in bed kind of situations where I figured that out in not like a nice mommy and me sugar-coated way. And I, I kind of freaked out a little bit, but instead of I, I, I collapsing into myself or what have you, I tell me more. Very, I fully embraced it. I think this was around when I was going into middle school, and I, I stopped doing baseball and started acting. And I, and as you can imagine, those are two very different social circles. And I, uh, I, I don't know how how conscious of a decision this was, but I was like, okay, new situation. Let's like make a community. And I, I was very fortunate in that. I found a wonderful group of people that supported me throughout middle school and high school because a lot of the people traveled together um, throughout all those years. And especially like a year and a half ago when I was going off to college, I, the last thing on my mind I was afraid of was like not being able to fit in with a group wherever I found them. And that I, I have met wonderful people there. And even over like when we have like three days off for a break, I always go to like like a friend's parents' house. And I'm like, I'm happy to 
they, they, who live in who live near the area. Where I don't have to buy a plane ticket back here. Um, and I've I've never felt that I was gonna be alone. Like I had a job this summer that I started. I knew no one, and I did not even I didn't even care. I made a friend within like the first like five days, and then something actually ended up happening with that job where my housing was messed up, and I had to move from one place to another place. But that second place wasn't ready in time, so I was actually out. I was out of luck. I didn't have a place to stay that night. And I one of my friends immediately offered, and I known her for like six days. So, okay, so uh, so days over at her. I have house. two questions. One is, it sounded like there was an emotional meltdown. Oh sex. yeah. I want to hear about that as it related at that age, mm-hmm. and then I want to go to the bigger picture, which is the. Both of you came through this without bubble wrapping, without overprotecting, without eliminating mm-hmm. struggle. I mean, yeah. you just described 19 struggles <laughs> and big life questions that were not hidden from you as a child, um, wherever, however we define that word child. Mm-hmm. But, okay, go to, go to the messiness of Yeah, life. no, it's absolutely important to talk about these kind of things because my, the, one of the reasons my mother is such a great parent is not because she, like, knew what to do in every situation. She, like, figured it out as she went. And this is one of those things, okay, you're given a situation, your child overhears something. I'm sure you're, that, like, wasn't meant for them originally. I'm sure your listeners can relate to one of those kind of moments. And I don't, I think I was able to hide it from her for a little bit until I... I think I was just fixated on some kind of task. I couldn't tell you what it was. I'm sure you know. Um, and then my mom asked me, like, why are you doing, why are you, like, grinding so hard on this? Why are you so fixated on this? And I, find, I like, regurgitated what I had heard. It, I probably, like, made it a lot more extreme of her version in my head. Like, sure. okay, 14, got to have my own family. Like, get out the door. But it, when it was really, like, but again, maybe this is a challenge eyes. for your 30s yeah, or yeah. something. Um, and then we ended up talking about it and I think like the similar process happened a couple more times and we like eventually came to a, like a, a mutual understanding about it. My, when he was five, my mother died, my, uh, his, uh, my husband's stepfather died. We went to two funerals in a short period of time and I took him to the funeral, went through the whole process, talked about it. When we came home, he was in the bathroom, and I heard, <laughs> and I said, Neil, are you okay? And he says, I don't want you to die. And, of course, you know, knowing that, you know, kids, what they really want is you to reassure that they're going to be okay. Yeah. It and is a universal developmental form absolutely. for your question. <laughs> and um, I said, Neil, I said, my mom lived till she was 84. And my dad lived till he was 84. So I'm probably going to live until I'm 84. And by that time, you're going to have your own family. And you won't need me like you do now. And he said, and it, wait, everybody take a deep breath. Because yeah. <laughs> every mother out there just went, yeah. what? <laughs> the, the depth of that is yeah. big. Go ahead. And I said, and he looked at me and he said, but I'm going to miss you. You miss your mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's five, and he said that to me. And I said, yes. And I said, but I can think of all those wonderful times I had with my mom. So she's really still with me. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's it, you know I can't put I can't package up everything that that is from this family, um, but there's so much wisdom in every piece of this. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about um, is the magic 
you created magic um, because you're an early childhood person. Um, and I, and I want to say, Sandy also um, knows the pressures of this world. Uh, maybe Neil wants to say something about that, too. I don't know. Um, because that whole private school got to, got to succeed pressures. Um, that There's a whole other podcast. But, but with the magic, I want to hear your post office story. <laughs> um, and I, and I, want, I want you to tell everybody about the tree. Because okay. there's nothing I love more than when I was invited <laughs> to come and meet your tree. Uh, do you remember your tree? I what? do remember it, my tree. I, <laughs> I drive by it every day. You do tree, and she'll do post office. Oh. <laughs> um, well, as my mom said, we would always go walk around our neighborhood. We live in a gated community. It's a essentially a big circle with some little offshoots. Um, and when you're doing the loop like 75% of the way around, almost back to our house, there's this huge tree. I think the city of Coral Springs somehow made it a park, even though it's just a tree. Um, and it's big. There are sprawling you know, roots, and there's probably a nook where an owl could live if we had owls, and there would be big branches that I, you know, you could climb on and all that kind of thing. And um, my mother deemed it the big tree. I think its official city of Coral Springs park name is much <laughs> less much <laughs> less catchy than that. Um, and she always, like, imbibed it with the kind of meaning that, like, this is the big tree. Big things happen there. Special things happen there. And I, however old I was and I understood that, I, at one point in my life, because I don't exactly remember the time my mother can fill that in, <laughs> I had some dilemma with, you know, preschool social circle drama. <laughs> and and I wanted to tell her about it, but I think I phrased, I, I, I started this conversation like, Mom, I have something big to tell you. Let's go to the big tree. And... I, 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 don't, I don't know if the, the science behind, like, having, like, a talking stick or something, but it was, like, a much better version of that, and it was nice, and it was nature, and it was Florida, so it wasn't cold, so, and we, and what, we talked about what it I, what, I, what stands out to me, I mean, because it's a tree, and it's nature, and it's magic, but that neither of you missed. I mean, there, you had, you used everything around you <laughs> oh, yeah. to, to fill in a meaningful world. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, we need more meaning in mm-hmm. our world. Mm-hmm. Sandy, the post office. How you, how you would manage... <laughs> um, Ex- you know, I mean, think about, you know, uh, back to research. I mean, executive function, delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Forget the marshmallow test. Mm-hmm. Sandy had a <laughs> post office um, a game. Well, I, I did not have babysitters. I did everything. He went everywhere with me. We did everything. Most of my errands I ran at night after he went to bed. He went to bed at 7.30 on the dot, and then I ran my errands. But certain things you got to do during the day. One of them was going to the post office. And we would get there, and there would always be 20-some people in line. And, you know, you've got to entertain a child. I said, let's figure out how long it's going to take for us to get waited on. And he said, well, how are we going to do that? And I said, well, go count how many people are in line and ahead of us. So he went, this little three-year-old counting one by one. All the pe- And, of course, everybody's watching him. And I said, now, I'm going to set my watch, and we're going to time how long it takes a person to get waited on. So we did, and it was about a minute. So I said, okay, so if it takes a minute for everybody, how many minutes is it going to take for us to get waited on? 
So his little mind, you could see him. He said, well, let me go back and count again. So he went back and counted the people, and it was going to be 22 minutes. So and we, now the whole post office Now is everybody's involved. listening to this. <laughs> so people are looking at their watches as people are getting waited on. And... Um, and so he kept going back to count. We're almost there. Couldn't wait. You know, now it was this anticipation that it worked. And when he, when it was our turn, and it was like 22 minutes, he went. I could see people like going, yes. <laughs> you know, it was just, it made it fun. Let's you know? talk about mindfulness, being present, being in the moment. I mean, you guys have... Um, a secret that worked so well for you. And I don't want it to be the secret. I mean, so one day I, I will be looking for this to be out there shared in with every story that you have. Um, but right now we have to wrap it up. I, I thank you wholeheartedly for sharing your story, well, for giving for me this minute this. back with me, with Neil. Um, and the wrap up is always the same. How have you got this? Um, for right here, for right now. Um, and Sandy, I'm going to let you go first and let Neil have the final word. So... How have you got this? In the sense of, this is called being Neil's mom. Um, finding your way through parenting and finding his journey for him. Uh, well, it hasn't ended. You know, um, I still celebrate who he is. Um, you know, it, it truly, of all the things I've ever done, this is my greatest joy and accomplishment. Um, because I know if... You know, something happened to me tomorrow. He's going to be great out there. And he's going to, you know, he is going to be an independent, happy, successful person. And he is. How have I got this? How have my mom got this? No, no. (laughs) How have you got this? Um, Coming from the experiences that you've come from. And, yeah. I think it's actually a funny story because I never really, I never really clarified what my mother would do in, in the sense of making every kind of situation fun because I realized that I kind of do this now whenever I'm stalling with people. <laughs> um, I, I Umpteen times when, you know, back when we're waiting for our parents to pick us up before we could drive, you always, you point out things and make jokes. And I, when I, back whenever I was going on dates, I would always, like the observational stuff would be my best, my best comedic material. Um... <laughs> I'm just very grateful that even without me knowing it, my my mother, through her countless waking hours and efforts, has given me all these skills and tactics and all these things that I can do to be independent, self-confident, and part of a loving community, however, however much a part of my mother is of that. Thank you. Thank you so very much. <laughs> and it is true. He goes to Yale, but Yale does not define him. No, it does not. Uh, <laughs> which is which is also magnificent because I watched the theater career. I watched, <laughs> I watched him. We talk about you like you're not even here, <laughs> but I watched you find pieces of yourself in so many places and and grow through so many experiences. And both of you have such rich inner lives and such a rich shared life and that's what i wish for everybody in the world thank you so thank very you, much thank you karen thank you so that's the mess for today we appreciate you listening to see me hear me love me seeing little people learn and grow listening to parents taking a crazy uncertain journey loving the fun and loving the mistakes you write the rules you write your story we just want to be part of the conversation but in the end we know you got this 
We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and the Follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.